0: May be seated. God bless you. Well, good morning and greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here. And I've been blessed so far in our service today, thinking about, uh, right from the first songs and the devotional this morning, thinking about suffering and thinking about the way we live our lives and the way we live in relation to each other and in relation to God. Those of you who are members here probably remember that I have been preaching on faith. started last fall, had a, had uh, three sermons on faith, and I have had a fourth sermon that I've been working on for some time. Part of it's been because I've been waiting on a few stories from a couple of you that I wanted to include in this sermon today, and uh, part of it was because there were other sermons I wanted to preach as well. So this is the fourth sermon in a four-part uh, message series on faith, base, all based in Hebrews 11. And we could spend some additional time there in Hebrews 11, uh, but I believe this will be my last sermon on faith, at least for the time being. So just by way of review, in part one, we looked at the definition of faith. We asked the question, why is faith necessary? And then we also asked the question, is there room for faith in today's modern scientific era? in which uh, the powers that be, it seems, are attempting to um, create a world where faith is unnecessary. Faith is defined in Hebrews 11, verse 1, as substance, foundation, or confidence, and evidence, proof, or assurance of what we hope for and do not see. Did you catch that? Assurance and confidence in the hope for what we cannot see. And so we have a rock-solid foundation for our hopes in the physically unseen things that we hope for. Faith is necessary to please God, and Hebrews 11, verse 6 makes that very clear. Faith is required to believe anything at all that I have not personally experienced. And since our memories can also be trusted from time to time, faith is even required to believe anything that I'm not experiencing right now personally. And there is room for faith in the modern scientific era. As a matter of fact, without faith in God, it's questionable whether the fathers of science, the fathers of modern science, would have pursued science at all. Because, you see, it was their faith in the great lawgiver, God himself, who pushed them to pursue the laws of science in the world around them. And our faith in God is not random or haphazard or, or slapped together. It's rational rational and evidence-based. In addition, in addition to all this, miracles are not counter-science, but rather evidence that an almighty God has laws of science that he, contro- that he controls alone and can suspend momentarily if he wishes to do so. In part two, then, we looked in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 through 31, and you can turn there if you'd like to, and just scan down over those lessons and over those people. In chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 verses 4 through 31, the more popular heroes of faith found there, we looked at how faith is practiced. who can have faith and other examples of faith? And again, we came back to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 where it is clear that faith, that having faith is to believe that God is, that God exists, and that he rewards those who diligently seek Him. And then we spent some time comparing and contrasting the lives of Abraham and Rahab, who couldn't have been more opposite. And we concluded that both the friend of God and the heathen prostitute and everyone else in between can have faith in God if they reach out to Him. And we looked at the examples of Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and others, and the examples of faith that they were in their time. And then in part three, we looked at some of the less popular heroes of faith like Samson and Jephthah, as well as the heroes of faith that were persecuted for their faith. We reviewed and studied and looked at how living lives of faith isn't always neat and tidy and beautiful and put together perfectly and successfully, at least not in the way that we may view success. And so as you look at your life, You may from time to time think, it's not quite stacking up. It's not quite stacking up. Well, if you feel that way, read about the less popular heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 towards the end of the chapter. And now in part four today, what we will look at this morning are modern heroes of faith, many of which are sitting with us in the pews today, and some of which have passed on to their eternal reward. One of the reasons I wanted to do this is because sometimes I think that we, and I know that I think like this sometimes, that, you know, wouldn't it be just nice to go to church with that group from Hebrews chapter 11? Wouldn't it just just be really nice to, to interact with them and to live with them? Men like Abraham, Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Moses, and women like Sarah. Life would be so much easier if we would just have a church full of men like them who actually lived by faith. And so I hope that the message today challenges your thinking just a bit as we consider modern heroes of faith from our time, from our generation, from the past couple of generations. Now there's a few things that I want to note here before I get into modern stories of faith. First of all, thanks to those of you who are willing to share your stories, either of your own experience or of other experiences that you have observed in someone else. And secondly, whenever you share stories like this, you risk missing someone. And so I want to recognize this risk and note that I'm not intentionally intentionally leaving anyone out and acknowledge that there are many other stories of faith that could be shared. And actually, hopefully, we'll have some additional time at the end, and I would like you to think about stories, and I've heard two today so far, uh, one from Jason about his father in the prayer room this morning, and then one from Tom in Sunday school class about the difference of the, uh, of the decisions that Tom made in his life versus his brother's life and the result, and I would like the two of you to share, that, share those stories during testimony time with the rest of us if you would feel the willingness to do so. And I would like, perhaps there's more stories that could be told during testimony time, and hopefully we'll have some additional time for this. But I also want us to remember that not every Old Testament hero of faith is in Hebrews 11. So if you feel left out this morning, you're in pretty good company. Consider that Daniel, David, Nehemiah, and Esther were also left out of Hebrews 11. So just to note here, I may have missed a story here at Mine Road Church that should be told, and if I do so, I'll leave that up to you to share this morning. Thirdly, I recognize and acknowledge that I may recount details a bit differently than how they actually happened. I want to share the stories truthfully, but I recognize that there may have been some loss in translation as I was talking to some of you. And finally, while nearly all of these heroes of faith are members of our church or died as a member of our church, I did take the liberty to make a few exceptions to that rule as well, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick them out. So, modern stories of faith, and, and the, uh, these stories, the sources for these stories, were directly from the people themselves in some cases. In some cases, they were from other people and their observations. And if you like these stories, I would encourage you to read again through the 50-year uh, Mine Road History book. A lot of really good stories of faith in there, and I got a few from that book as well. So modern stories of faith. By faith, Bossy Byler chose to live in a way that was pleasing to God. Choosing discipline over loose living making good decisions and investing in spiritual things. She looked ahead, understanding that although some of her peers were indulging in sin, she knew that choosing the right path and making the right decision would result in long-term rewards. By faith, she relocated to the U.S., a place that she had never been to before, to get married to Tim. Now that would be a step of faith. Today... She is a godly mother of five who is showing her daughters and her son the right path to walk and how to follow her as she follows Christ. By faith, Kenneth Byler returned good for evil toward an angry neighbor. At no fault of his own, Kenneth found himself in the middle of a a dispute between this man and another neighbor who was Amish. Kenneth's two neighbors were bitter enemies. One neighbor threatened to stop renting his farmland to Kenneth, if he would do one thing, and the Amish neighbor threatened to sue if he would do the opposite thing. And Kenneth was left in a no-win situation. By faith, Kenneth worked with the two neighbors to try to mend relations, offering to pay what he was sued, even though he was not at fault. In his words, he did not want to come before the judgment seat with this dispute over his head. As it turned out, the Amish neighbor did not file suit And as a result of my father's faith, he was able to witness one last time to his neighbor before his neighbor passed away. By faith, Daniel Lapp served in El Salvador as a deferment to military service during the Vietnam War. By faith, he chose to go overseas rather than spending time here because he observed the challenges that some other youth experienced in their times here as a deferment to military service. God clearly directed him to El Salvador and to long-term service. By faith, Orpha married Daniel, knowing that long-term service in El Salvador was part of the deal. By faith, they served in El Salvador three times, following God's call back to the states in 1985. By faith, Daniel taught at a school 44 of the last 54 years, committing his finances to God in spite of numerous challenges along the way. By faith, Daniel and Orpha followed God's leading back to El Salvador, from 2015 to 2019, and then back here again to the ministry and teaching school. After that, by faith, John Stalsfus heeded God's call and left Conestoga Valley Kitchens in 1993 to work at Christian Aid Ministries full time. Years prior, a sermon preached by Sanford Yoder made a deep impression in his life. The title of the sermon was "Only One Life Will Soon Be Passed." Only what's done for Christ will last. Working in a non-profit organization meant a pay cut, and paying for housing, school tuition, and orthodontist bills was not always easy, but God always provided. Faith, you see, is taking the first step, even when you can't see the whole staircase. God honored John and Lil's step of faith and provided in miraculous ways, again and again and again. By faith, Verta married Eli Glick, knowing that it meant moving to El Salvador as a long-term missionary. Only five months after Verta's father was diagnosed with stomach cancer, Verda left with Eli knowing that she would most likely never see her father alive again. In spite of going to a country in which she had never been to before and had no familiarity with the culture and the language, Eli and Verda eventually established six churches and three schools. By faith, they established a clinic with money coming in at times in the exact amount that they needed. By faith, they endured robberies, extortion attempts, and the traumatic kidnapping of Eli. By faith, she looked forward to her eternal reward and the great and high wall that is noted in Revelation 21-12 that separates heaven from the evil of this world. But it wasn't always easy. As they aged, financial challenges became more acute, one day, while sitting in the garden worrying about lack of funds, she asked God, You aren't going to forsake us in our old age, are you? At about that time, she heard someone at the gate. It was a lady whose husband had borrowed a large sum of money years ago and then had left the country. Eli and Verda had assumed that they would never see that money again. The woman went on to explain to Verda how things had turned around for them financially, and she had come back to make the first loan payment. Verda's joy was tempered by her embarrassment that she had doubted God. But God saw and accepted her struggling faith and had once again proven himself faithful. Because, you see, when our faith is weak, God proves himself strong. By faith, Annie Lapp, a single mom of 37, continued to serve the Lord. She had not always made the best choices and had many many regrets. She was not popular and did not have a fancy job but she trusted God and was determined to please him. By faith, she looked into the future with a desire that her grandchildren and, great- and great-grandchildren would follow her in faith and serve the Lord. <clears throat> By faith, the church at Mine Road opened their arms to a family who was total strangers to them, gave them a glass of cold water and a place to lay their heads and more love than they could have ever imagined to receive. They gave them examples of godly men and godly women, godly fathers and godly mothers, and refreshed their souls greatly. And that was given to me by Beth Den Hollander. By faith, Alvin and Lily Stolzfus, when asked to go to Romania in 1995, opened themselves up to the idea of selling their cows and moving their family to a different country. After asking God for a clear yes or no answer, it became clear to them that God was asking them to make a list of obstacles and include the things that needed to happen in order for them to make this move. By faith, they listed seven items with the understanding that that if any of these items came back no, then their answer would be clear not to go. These items included getting approval from family and church, finding renters for their farm, and receiving a clean bill of health for their herd of cows so they could be sold on public auction. One by one, each item came back with an emphatic yes. In March of 1996, they sold their 110 cows and moved their five children, ages 7 to 19, to Romania. By faith, Jacob Stalsfus, also known as Jakey K., pursued his longtime dream of building and operating a rest home for retired elderly people. In the process of pursuing his dream and with the help of some other men, four properties were purchased. God clearly closed doors in each case, and it was evident that he had other plans. On the fourth property that was purchased, there was a period of several years where seminars were offered. But then they came to a crossroads concerning financial support and ownership. By faith, Jake began to look into what it would take to get the license to operate a retirement home. After a short period of time, the Beachy constituency decided to take on the ownership of the property and the remaining debt and further developed the seminars into what is now called Penn Valley Christian Retreat. Jake's original dream was not fulfilled in the way that he had anticipated or expected, but God used his faith to develop a place for people to come and have their souls refreshed. By faith, Roman Beiler sailed to Europe in 1958 to to help build a mission center in Berlin under AMA. By faith, Roman and Fanny Byler returned with their infant son from 1960 to 1963 to offer humanitarian aid and the gospel to refugees fleeing communism. By faith, Elmer Glick left his career in auto mechanics after 14 years to teach school at Fairhaven and spend a few years in mission work in Ontario. By faith, Elmer and Dorothy also followed God's call to move to Slanesville to assist in starting an outreach church there. By faith, Alvin Stoltzfus and Randy Lapp had a large part in starting Gap Clubs. Through faith, God has provided leadership for, for Gap Clubs again and again and again in the last 30 years. I personally remember of numerous times since I've been involved in and observing clubs over the last 20 years or so when it seemed like there would be no leader in several years that could take on the leadership mantle and take on the challenge. Each time... God faithfully provided leaders from within the youth group and leaders who are passionate about the mission, and that continues up to this day. By faith, Dave King faithfully served with Choice Books in New York City for 30 years or so. Through his faith, the opportunity came for many young men to serve in the city, myself included. By faith, Anna Lapp has faithfully served patients with HIV for over 15 years. By her faith she is able to reach out to marginalized people who are gay and on drugs with the love of Jesus in a way that nobody else can do. By faith, a committee of men, Paul Nisley, Mel Stalsfuss, and Jonathan Esch, were appointed to oversee an outreach church. By faith, they pursued a number of areas in Pennsylvania, and Paul felt they should make a trip south of Pennsylvania into Martinsburg, West Virginia. A group was organized to make the trip, And they randomly stopped at an exit where they were going to eat at Denny's for breakfast. They could not find the Denny's, so they randomly stopped at a country restaurant on the edge of town. When they were leaving, two other men, who just so happened to be in the restaurant eating and having a Bible study, randomly stopped them and asked them what they were up to. Upon hearing what the group was up to, one of the men directly told them that Martinsburg was not the right place but that they should go to Slainesville, West Virginia, instead. In the months following, it became clear that this random meeting that just so happened was orchestrated by God and was not random at all. God speaking directly? Angels unawares? These questions remain unanswered, but God made his will clear to those who are willing to walk by faith. By faith, Mel Stolzfus and Roman Stolzfus taught for years at CBS, and in youth Sunday school class here at this church. Through faith, these two men have had an enormous influence in my generation's theology and understanding of Scripture that lives to today. By faith, Merlin and Mary Lou clung to God rather than to succumb to bitterness and cynicism after the death of their three-year-old, Kira Mary, in 2009. Although there is no clear reason to us today why God would take a three-year-old to be with him, they chose to believe in God and place their trust in him during that dark night of their lives. By faith, John Glick spent two years in El Salvador when he was in his low 20s. By faith, John and Rachel, after they were married and with the approval of the church, consented to move back to El Salvador and be in the lot there for church leadership. But God had other plans for them, as, they were, as there was already an ordination planned at Peckway Church that took place first. John was voted to be in the lot for the ordination at Peckway, along with five others, and John was the one that God chose to be ordained. Since John and Rachel lived close to Mine Road Church when it started, they were the minister couple chosen to serve here. Four years after being ordained at Peckway and serving at Mine Road, John was in the lot again, this time for bishop. Jake Stalsfus or Jakey Kay, was also in the lot. John was 33 at the time. And it seemed clear to him that God would choose Jake, who was older and more mature. But again, God had other plans, and John was ordained bishop. By faith, John served in church leadership here for many years, recognizing that God has a plan and a reason for everything. Why did God call John and Rachel to church leadership in Lancaster County when they would have been willing to move to El Salvador? Why would God choose John as bishop rather than an older and more experienced jake these questions and many others remain unanswered but john accepted god's call on his life in faith by faith rachel glick suffered through a time of sickness after being diagnosed with cancer rachel continued in faith that god could heal her and god was faithful during a time of a health struggle after her second cancer surgery she was in communication with alvin's lily who was also struggling with cancer The two would check in on each other to see how it was going. Rachel was getting better little by little, while Lily was getting worse little by little. Why? Both had faith. Why did God choose to spare Rachel's life while Lily and Mary Ellen are no longer with us? These questions remain unanswered. But one thing remains clear. God will choose to work as he sees fit and it is our responsibility to choose to live in faith. Rachel trusted God by faith that God could heal her, and Lily also had faith in God and prepared to meet him. Over some more challenging times with her health, the devil would tempt Rachel to give up her faith, but she remained strong because of God's help and the encouragement of others. For, you see, when our faith is weak, God is strong. One time in particular, she received a message of peace from a friend, reminding her that Jesus is our peace in the midst of storms that we face. By faith, Rachel was able to share this encouragement with her nurse that day, and they rejoiced together. And what more shall I say? For the time fails me to tell of Sam Lapp, Ben Smoker, Amos and Amanda Lance, Sammy and Hilda, Jason and Rose Smoker, John and Elsie Smoker, Ben and Mary Lapp, Dave and Mary Nisley, and many, many others who, through faith, started a church from nothing, went overseas into missions, taught school and Sunday school, befriended a, a rough bunch of neighbors up here on the hill, provided funds for this church, provided encouragement to the church leaders, suffered quietly and courageously, even to death, refusing to give up in spite of severe pain and discouragement, knowing that God Was their God. Those who live by faith, you see, declare plainly that they are seekers of another country. For now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly country. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. They chose, you see, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. They esteem the reproach of Christ. Greater, greater than the riches in Egypt, for they were looking forward to their reward. And so as you can see, you do go to church with people who live by faith. In a sense, you do go to church with Abraham and with Noah and with Joseph and with Sarah. Perfect, not by any stretch but servants in the hand of God. Could they use some work and a little improvement from time to time? Sure, but people who trust God and want to serve him. As we observe this and many other stories of faith, I believe that there are a few conclusions that we can make. Number one, living by faith doesn't answer all questions and may actually create more questions than answers. And I want to think about that for a moment, because I know in my life, I've been guilty from time to time of believing that if I were to have faith, I will have answers to my questions. I will know what to do. I will know when to do it. I will know exactly how God wants me to do something. And we see throughout scripture, and especially in the example of Job, that God Oftentimes, does not answer those questions. If we were to scan through the Book of Job, and I would encourage you to do that in your mind's eye this morning, think about what he suffered, think about what he said, and what his three friends said. If we were to to think through that, many of the questions that he asked God had to do with God. Why is this happening to me? I'm righteous. Why is this happening to me? And Job went even so far as to say, God, if you were to come down here and I was to be on this side and we would have someone who would lay one hand on your shoulder and one hand on my shoulder and be an umpire or be an arbitrator between us, I would be righteous. That's kind of what Job was saying. And when God came to Job, What did he say? Did he ever tell Job why? Did Job ever learn why those things happened to him? God did not answer Job's questions, but God, you might say, overwhelmed Job with his presence and with who he is. Is that enough? Is that enough for us? Living in faith doesn't answer all questions and may actually create more questions than answers. Living by faith does not look the same way for everyone. We've looked at stories of faith from people here. It doesn't mean that's how your life is going to pan out. It means that that is who God is, but it doesn't mean that's how it's going to work for you. For some, faith meant going to the foreign mission field. For some, it meant starting a ministry here. For some it meant giving up what I want for what God wants. For some it meant serving God faithfully here by supporting the church, by reaching out to neighbors, and by serving faithfully where God has has us. And for all of us it means determining to believe that God is God and that he is in control and that he is good. Even when the circumstances around us are screaming otherwise. That God is in control, that he is good, and that God is God, even when the circumstances around us appear to be screaming otherwise. So living by faith does not look the same for everyone. Living by faith has lifelong consequences. And I'm curious How many of you were among the 75 that Annie Lapp taught in nursery class? Would you happen to know? Any hands? Yeah, what an impact. What an impact of a life of faith. How many of you have been blessed by a seminar at Penn Valley? I I think probably most of us would raise our hand to that. What an impact. That wasn't Jake's intention when he initially started. He stepped out in faith, and God used his step of faith for that. And how many of you have learned under the teaching of Roman Stalsfus or Mel Stalsfus? Probably a number of you, I would imagine as well. So life, living a life of faith has lifelong consequences for this life, for this generation, for the next generation. And beyond that, it has eternal consequences. And finally, Actively pursuing your dreams is something that you should do in faith. That might sound a little bit out there, but I believe that oftentimes God gives us dreams. Pursuing your dreams is something that you should do in faith. When a door closes, look for an open door. Look for the next open door. God is faithful to provide open doors in his time for those walking by faith. One thing that we can know for sure that, considering the passage that Marcus read in James 2, faith without works is dead. How do we know that these people and many others had faith? By their works, by observing their lives, by observing what they did. And so my final question for you here this morning, as we think about this, in 20, 30, or 50 years from now, what will your life say? And what stories of faith will those who observe you and live with you have to share? Hopefully, uh, some of you are thinking of some additional stories to share. I intentionally wanted to leave some additional time here at the end for that. So if you have a story you'd like to share, I would encourage you to do that during testimony time. Let's kneel for prayer.